Hello, my lovely financially independent beauties, my independent friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Miss Independent Show. I hope you're all enjoying and crushing the September challenge. I'm now almost three weeks of my no poisons diet, and it's going quite well. I've been staying on track with the diet piece. I've been back on my content game, and I'm feeling more inspired, more invigorated, and ready to take action. I've had a huge shift that I've tried to make recently on the content side. I don't know if any other content creators or just creatives relate, but it's hard to be consistently inspired. It's hard to find ideas daily to create and bring to reality. But then I heard this interview with Pharrell and I'm going to play it for you guys in a second. And it really spoke to me. Don't stop making music. Make the music. Don't stop making music. Don't don't think that you're going to hold off. Because let me explain something to you. Creativity is not coming out of you. Creativity is like the work of the universe. The universe, that's why they call them universities. The universe is a library. I was just telling somebody this yesterday. All we're doing is checking ideas out. We can pretend that we're being possessive. It was here before us, it's gonna be here after us. We just checking ideas mm. out, right? Mm, 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 and mm. what you would have checked out on one day might not be what you would check out on the next day. So don't not make the music. When you got a library card that works, you use that card every day. If there are any creatives out there, regardless of what it is that you do, keep creating because you never know who you're inspiring. Today's episode is on mastering communication with others. I built my corporate career in tech sales. My job is to build relationships with people and companies. And the goal is to get them to trust me enough, to like me enough, so that I can solve their problems through software. So this episode was actually inspired by a conversation that I had today with a gatekeeper. And a gatekeeper is the first person who answers the phone in a company. Usually it's the administrative assistant and they direct calls to different people in the business. He or she gatekeep the important people in the business. They try to save time for their bosses. I guess that's why they're called gatekeepers. Anyways, there's this woman named Michelle that I work with, and she's a gatekeeper. First, Michelle was super icy, never wanted to talk to me. But every time she picked up the phone, I would throw a joke at her, and I always started off the call by saying her name and by smiling, because people can hear that through the phone and through Zoom if you're off camera. So take this in, listen to the difference. Hey, Michelle. Oh, I recognize your voice. How's everything? Can you transfer me to Jason, please? Versus. Hey, Michelle. Oh, I recognize your voice. Can you transfer me to Jason, please? Which version do you think Michelle is going to respond to? Smiling makes a big difference when it's just verbal communication. And we'll talk about body language and tonality a bit more in detail as well. But my point with the story here is that I would call Michelle probably two, three times a week because she would connect me to the main points of contact that I needed. And because I remembered her name and addressed her by it, she gave me so much information that she wouldn't have otherwise. Like I talked to Michelle like a close friend of mine because I needed her to trust me. I needed her to like me and she would take messages for me. She would help me out. So Michelle ended up telling me that this Jason person that I was building a relationship with ended up resigning. And she told me who was going to replace him. This kind of sucks when you're in sales because you spend months trying to build rapport with someone. And then when they leave, 
you've got a good relationship with them, that's like months of work gone. But Michelle told me some inside gossip, the inside scoop, and all I had to do was ask. So when I was on the phone with Michelle, I said, Michelle, who do you think is going to replace Jason? Side note, Jason's a VP. It's pretty hard to replace execs. It usually takes quite a bit of time unless the company has like a running candidate and the company that the company's grooming. So I just asked, just asked Michelle and I remember her name because we chat all the time now, but I made her feel like we're friends. She ended up telling me that there was two people in the running and then I asked her what they were like. She shared like intimate details about their personalities, about the fact that they had kids, how long they were at the company, like details it would have taken me months to uncover had I just been chatting with this contact straight face to face. All of this happened because I spoke to her like a friend and I remembered her name. People love it when you call them by their names. They love to be remembered and they love to talk about themselves. Today, I'm going to teach you how to build deeper bonds with people that you communicate with, regardless of what level of communication that is, whether you know, you've got a presentation at work you want to be better at, if you're communicating with clients, if you're an entrepreneur, if you want to communicate better with your partner, with your friends, you know, even strangers at parties. And it all comes down to love. L is for the way you look at me. Love is an acronym. L is for listening, active listening, listening to hear the person to understand, not to respond. It's very different from listening to respond. And it's so hard because when someone's talking, we're thinking to ourselves, okay, what do I say right now that's going to make me sound smart, intelligent, confident? Like I know what I'm talking about if it's a work setting. Or you want to deliver something that you think they're going to want to hear if it's a relationship or a friend. Listening to what the person is saying is hard. But here are some tips. First, you need to be cognizant of the fact that men and women communicate differently. What I learned, I learned a lot about body language, is I noticed that when women communicate, they want to be facing each other. I don't know if biologically, this is because like back in the day in our hunter-gatherer days, women had children in front of them, like in their lap, and then they would face other women and communicate, versus men were okay to be shoulder to shoulder or even back-to-back back when they were hunting. That's just a theory of mine. I'm not a behavioral scientist, guys, okay? I'm not a sociologist by any means. But I do know that men and women communicate differently. And maybe that's why I hear women say all the time when they're talking about their partner, hey, ladies, how many times have you heard your girlfriend say, he just doesn't really listen? And it's because he's not actively listening. He's not facing you when you communicate. So you might subconsciously think that he doesn't hear you. So men, if a woman is talking to you and it's important, square your shoulders so you, you match your shoulders to show that you're engaged in the conversation when you're communicating with a woman. The other thing that I love to do is to wait three seconds before starting to speak. To wait for someone to be finished talking. And the reason why I do this is you'd be surprised and how much more people reveal, how much more detail they add when you don't interrupt them or when you don't respond right away. So there's like that awkward silence. It's a second. It's not even awkward, really. But the person that was speaking thinks that 
they need to keep on going and clarify and add more information. And you guys know I love the Machiavellian book, The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. One of my favorite laws is always say less than necessary. Now, I don't take that as like gatekeeping information, but speaking less is so powerful. Pay attention to what someone is saying. Make eye contact. Try to listen without judgment. Even if you don't agree necessarily with what they're saying, even if you've got strong views, hold back your criticism. I struggle with this because I'm very opinionated. I've got strong views, but I try to let people speak first. And the reason why is maybe you learn something new, something about the person's motivations, about their thought process, about their background. It's going to help you understand them more and why they're saying what they're saying. And from an argument side, it helps you learn new information. So I always like to say, even though I have strong opinions, they're loosely held. So if I learn something new or I hear another point of view that that might be a better argument than what I thought, I'll adopt that instead. Strong opinions, loosely held. Next is understanding. And that's the you, obviously. Showing the person that you understood what they said is so critical. Especially if it's an emotionally driven conversation, it helps them release that emotion. Helps them feel heard. If someone says something that's important about how they're feeling, if it's a friend, if it's a coworker, I always try to clarify. So I ask them to tell me more about that. That's like my go-to line. Hmm, Michelle, can you tell me more about these people that are in the running for Jason's role? And then she'll open up. Tell me more. Or if I'm going out with friends for dinner and one of my friends is telling me about how stressed she is at work or she's telling me about her new job, Tell me more about how it's going. People love to talk about themselves. After you clarify, you want to summarize what they said briefly. And again, it shows them that you heard them, that you truly heard, not like in one ear, out the other type of thing. I used to be so guilty of that when I first started digging into this topic. Clarifying and summarizing also gives them space to elaborate where you can extract more information. Same thing as being silent for a little bit longer. And that helps you understand their motives if it's a corporate setting or just more about the situation if it's like a family and friend. You also want to throw in some of those body language cues, some nodding, eye contact, all of these different things feel like you understand their perspective. And that leads me into the last point, which is V or validate. You want to validate their emotions, even even if it's a business conversation, everybody has emotions. We're all just you know, a bunch of blobs of matter trying to regulate our emotions all the time. And in a professional setting, we've just been trained to be better at regulating them. Just why people write, as per my previous email, instead of fuck off. If you want to be masterful at communicating, you're going to have to validate what the person is feeling. Maybe the person that's trying to get a hold of you to ask you for something has a lot going on at home or maybe they're stressed and they have a deliverable due by end of day and they need something from you but maybe you've already told them that you're waiting on someone else to finish pulling a report you could call them and you could say hey, i know you're probably stressed about the deliverable 
but I need Mike to send me the data before I can put a bow on it and send you that final piece that you're waiting for. It shows them that you understand their position and that you validate their feelings of stress and the anxiety that they probably feel over this deliverable. Validating doesn't necessarily mean that you agree or even relate. Like maybe that person put off asking you for this report until the very last second. In which case, yeah, I'd be pretty, pretty frustrated. But you do need to meet them where they are in order to make the most out of the interaction. You're not going to email your coworker and say, I already told you, I'm waiting on Steve. Don't email me again. I'll send it as soon as I have it. Because you're going to have to work with this person again, probably. And you don't want to be known as the office bitch. So that's a little bit on active listening. Next, I want to get into the four different types of people you're likely going to communicate with. And it's a theory. It's a theory that every single person you communicate with is going to fall into one of these four different types. Everybody has these types within them. Sometimes in some situations, one type will come out. Usually one or two are more prevalent than others. And because people are constantly evolving, their personality types are going to change over time. So these types that I'm going to talk about are called the DISC personalities. Companies spend thousands of dollars in assessments to have their employees or even potential employees screened. I've definitely been screened as part of a job application. And my past two companies used different versions of this test, but didn't go into describing what each type is. They kind of just give you your assessments and then they use them for their internal reasons to help your manager understand how to provide feedback to you. DISC, surprise, surprise, another acronym. But forget the acronym. I'm a visual person. I'm going to explain it through color. So you've got four different types of colors. Red, if you think like fiery red, is direct, is assertive. Someone like Mary, who's the CMO of a marketing agency, and she wears a Smythe power suit. Side note, I love their suits. I'm literally obsessed. You got to check out their fall connection. It's, oh, it's so good. Anyways, imagine Mary in a perfectly tailored dark purple suit. Ooh. Mary is someone who speaks really quickly. She doesn't have time for BS. If you've got 15 minutes booked with her, she's going to start off by saying, okay, what do you have for me? I've got a hard stop at 2 p.m. How do you communicate with Mary? Well, you quit the chit chat and you mirror her. You play her game. Before she even has time to ask, why are you here? You say, the reason I'm here is, you use as few words as possible. You don't do small talk. Mary's going to challenge you. If you want to win her over, you've got to push back. You've got to state your opinion. Provide clear evidence. If Mary's a lawyer, you're the opposition. It's hard to talk to people like Mary sometimes. It's overwhelming. And their directness can almost seem rude. It can be sometimes. But if you truly want to master communication, these types are going to be like the hardest level of Super Mario Bros. You know, the Bowser boss that you've got to beat at the end. Mary's going to be your toughest cookie. But I do want to say quickly that people aren't their disc profiles. There's so much more than that. Decision making runs so much deeper than that. The profile is just how people respond subconsciously 
And, you know, sometimes it's because of the roles that they're placed in. Maybe Mary wasn't always so direct, but when she started leading an organization of like 70 people, she had to be because she was pulled into 50 different directions at once. So she became jaded over time, jaded with her time. So that's red. Then there's blue. Someone who leads with blue is very analytical, detail-oriented. They pay attention to numbers, to minute details. Someone like Alex. Alex works in real estate finance. He uses Excel without a mouse, and he makes decisions based on quantifying the impact. If the numbers don't make sense, he can't move forward with a decision. Mary, Mary might have been a made-up person, but Alex is my fiancé. And if I need to communicate something to Alex, it's a big decision. Let's say I'm trying to get his buy-in for a trip that I want us to go on, or, or it's a wedding planning detail. It's very top of mind right now. I need to have all the numbers, all the costs, all the extra little details in a spreadsheet so that he can see them in one place. I've got to have all of the numbers ready for him. Blue, people that lead with blue, they're a little slower paced. They need time to process the decision. And a lot of what I talked about earlier is mostly verbal communication. We can talk about visual another time. But how you communicate something is also very important. And I would say almost as important as what you say and how you say it. So the format that you deliver it in is important especially with blues, but next we have yellow, like a sunshine yellow. Someone that leads with yellows can be very persuasive, very talkative. These are the kinds of people that can ramble on for hours, talk for hours without even realizing it. These are the people that can influence. These are the people that you instantly want to become friends with. And they're people like Jane, let's say. Okay, so Jane, Jane is a real estate agent. She's bubbly. She's always happy, always smiling. And she, when she takes you on showings, she tells you about her friends, about her weekend adventures, about, you know, maybe even the people that she's seeing, her other clients. Jane is open. She's friendly. She makes you feel like you instantly want to connect with her. And if you want to communicate with Jane, you definitely don't use numbers. You need to be fast-paced, high energy, again, mirroring. And it can be exhausting communicating with someone like this if this isn't naturally you. But you definitely don't want to use numbers. Next and last, we have green, okay? Or forest green. And someone that leads with green is also going to be a little bit more slow-paced when they communicate. For them, empathy, feeling like everyone's winning in a situation is important. They're very steady, task-focused, they're indirect. So if yellow is the opposite of blue, green is going to be the opposite of red. Someone that leads with green is going to be someone like, let's say, John. John works in client success. And if you want to effectively communicate with John, you need to show him that you care. You need to make him feel comfortable about the decision. Make him feel like he has a choice, like he came to it himself. And it's the best outcome for everyone. There isn't one color that's better than others. Because again, we have all these tendencies inside us. They come to light naturally when we communicate with others. Although we can be conscious of the tendencies and we can pull back a little bit. Like, 
Let's say Mary knows she can be very direct. She might pull back when she's talking to someone that could be put off by her directness. Let's say somebody that leads with green. And in case you're wondering what your colors are, I'm sure based off that brief analysis, you might have been thinking about it, trying to figure it out. I'm going to link a test in the show notes. It takes like three minutes. I did it myself actually just to verify, but if you're curious, go into the show notes, click the link, and you can figure out what your type is. If you're curious what mine is, I lead with a mix of red and blue. So I'm analytical and direct. Shocker. All right. We talked about love, how to build deeper bonds with the person you're communicating with. We talked about how to identify who you're actually communicating with and then tailoring your message or your delivery to match them. But what if communicating in general makes you nervous? Like, especially after the panini, social anxiety has been a real thing. And I feel it all the time too. I'll bite a minor version of it when I'm on my rich mom walks and I can't decide if I want to smile or pretend I can't see the person that's walking towards me. You guys probably know what I mean. But if you've got a presentation or a talk or something that you're nervous about or excited, it's likely that your your heart rate's elevated. And I learned this recently, but our bodies actually respond to fear and excitement in the same way. It's the same biological process. So when your hands start to shake, when you start sweating, it's because your body's releasing adrenaline or epinephrine, it's the same thing. So when you start to shake, if you're presenting, this is a little trick I learned in all of the expensive public speaking training sessions I did months before prepping for my TEDx talk. It's a breathing exercise. But instead of focusing on your inhales or counting your breaths, you essentially want to elongate your exhales. So you do this exercise three times. You inhale through your nose, inhale a little bit more, like you're taking a little sip of air, and one more, and then you exhale through your mouth. And you do this for three rounds. If you're presenting live, it's especially helpful. Don't do this when you're on stage or on Zoom and ready to go. Do it before. But do it because it helps you calm your parasympathetic nervous system. It helps get your blood flowing and it helps spread that adrenaline throughout the body more vigorously. And body language is a huge, huge part of making you an effective communicator. And that's actually the next topic that I want to dive into. You want to seem open and approachable. You want to avoid crossing your arms, especially crossing them in front of you. If you want to seem strong and confident, plant both feet on the ground. In yoga, we call this mountain pose. I don't know if you've ever stood at the base of a mountain and looked up, but every time I do this, I'm just awestruck. You look at this mountain and you're like, wow, it is so majestic, so bold. And... When you're standing in front of an audience, you want to embody that because then you command respect. So you roll your shoulders back, you pull them away from your ears, turn your palms outward, you rotate your shoulders, and then you open and close your arms from that position when you talk. So if someone has their arms crossed in front of them, it means they're closed off. If their arms are, cr- are open and they're by their side, more relaxed, they're more open. If your legs are crossed too, if you're sitting, that also shows that you're closed off. If you're leaning or you're slouching, it shows that you're too relaxed and maybe not fully present. So be mindful of things like that, especially if you're on Zoom. You can also tell if someone's interested in what you're saying. If you see their eyebrows raise quickly, like a little flash, taking note of that, recognizing it, makes you more aware in that conversation. 
eye contact is also a huge one. Most people think you need to have consistent eye contact, but that's actually a territorial sign. People make unbroken eye contact before a fight if they're trying to be aggressive. So consistent eye contact is a sign of aggression. So you want to look away casually, look up, look as if you're looking for the answer or your next thought above someone's head. And if you're meeting someone and it's face-to-face, the best way to communicate is to mirror them because people feel most comfortable when you're copying them. So it's a behavior that they're used to that makes them feel safe. So obviously you don't want to do it exactly, right? Because that would be weird. But you do want to mirror some of the subtle cues that they make. And the last one that I want to chat about for helping you master communication is helping you master feelings. Feelings are a big one to master if you want to communicate impeccably. You need to be able to control your emotions. And in reality, all that means is just understanding how you feel and understanding how your feelings are going to impact the words that you're delivering. Are you having a bad day? If so, are you projecting that onto the person that you're chatting with? You know, women get a lot of slack for communicating based off their hormones and being aggressive, you know, at different times of the month. But I actually think that as a woman, we go through this monthly. So we're actually way more cognizant of how our hormones affect our mood than men. Either way, that that awareness, that's critical. If you're feeling off, if you're having a rough day and you need to present or you meet with someone important, I would try to reschedule until you can get yourself in a better mind space. Because you might deliver something or communicate in a way that you're not going to be happy about after that isn't optimal. You're not delivering exactly what you're trying to say. Actually, no, I lied. That That is the last point that I want to make today. It's on intentional language choices. Think before you speak. Think about how your words are going to affect the person that you're speaking to, how they might react. If you email someone aggressively, do you think that's going to get them to work faster? Or do you think they're just going to be annoyed and frustrated and it's not going to motivate them at all? The way that you deliver information matters. The words that you actually speak, it's a pretty big part of communication if you ask me. And it's not always the words that you say. Sometimes it's the words that you don't say that are even more powerful. It goes back to that always say less than necessary rule. Say less. And on that note, I think it's time to wrap up today's episode. I hope you found it enlightening. And if you did, I'd love it if you shared it with your friends, with your mom, with your coworkers, anyone who you think is going to find value in it. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, my lovely friend,